My grandmother was a big, she was very common and of the phrase, the dog days of summer. You guys know the dog days of summer? If you're from the South, you do, you know. The dog days of summer, it's called August. It's 98 degrees. There's no wind. The water's not moving. And it starts to grow green moss. And then you wake up tomorrow, and guess what? It's 98 degrees. There's no wind. Nothing's moving. And the water's sitting still. And then you wake up the next day, right? It's, it's, it's more and more and more and more. And so my grandmother, she always loved talking about the dog days of summer. Well, I think, friends, we have reached the dog days of Ecclesiastes here. And your chuckles tell me everything I need to hear this morning. Um, Solomon is beating a dead horse over and over and over again. But we're going to keep letting him beat us like a dead horse because we believe that we probably need to hear it. If he's going to say it over and over and over again, then there's probably a reason why he's doing so. And so we're in this section of Ecclesiastes where it seems to me that Solomon has this major point that he wants us to hear. God's good ways are best. God's good ways are best. Now one of our staff members who may remain nameless at least until I out him in just a minute, was reading this passage this week, and he was like, do you think Solomon used drugs? It was a joke, sort of. But he just makes up these stories that are real about a wise, quiet, humble man saving a city and the man who breaks through a wall might get bitten by a serpent. And just on and on and on Solomon goes. But but I believe that this is the point of this passage which Stephen just read for us. And so, by the way, our sermon this morning comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 11 through chapter 10 and verse 20. I believe Solomon's point is in these pithy sayings, in these wisdom sayings, in these stories that he's telling, his point is this. God's good way, the Bible calls God's good way wisdom. God's good way is best. It's better. It's better. And there is a way that's not God's good way. The Bible calls it folly. And folly fails. Folly produces hurt. Folly produces stumbling. Folly produces pain. Now you might say, well, why does Solomon want us to know that God's wisdom, God's good way is better and folly fails us? Here's why. Because we love folly. We love creating new ways to do things and make the same old mistakes. And and for whatever reason, the human heart abhors God's good way. We don't pursue it when left to ourselves. And so if you're here today and you're a child of God, you're a Christian, you belong to Jesus, then the Spirit of God dwells in you 
And God has given you His Word, the Bible, so that your life can be different. And God's good way, God's wisdom is better. It's better. And we cannot be reminded of this too many times. So Solomon's going to do an out-and-out assault on us one more time to say, wisdom is better. And so throughout these 30-something verses, Solomon is juxtaposing wisdom and folly. And he's saying that there is great value in wisdom. And again, when the Bible talks about wisdom, what it means is God's Word, God's ways, God's desires applied to real life. So you know, like when your toddler took off his diaper and peed in the floor this morning? You know that situation? What do you do right there? That's wisdom, right? It's wisdom. How do I handle this right now? And, and here comes Solomon one more time saying, readers, wisdom is better. God's wisdom is better. So he begins like this. He says in verses 11 and 12, the outcomes of events don't always work out the way you might expect. The race is not to the swift. What he means is the, the naturally fastest person doesn't always win the race. If so, why race? Nor the battle to the strong. What he means is the strongest don't always win the battle. Nor bread to the wise. Meaning that sometimes the wisest people don't get the reward. Nor riches to the intelligent. Meaning that the smartest people don't always make the most money. Nor favor to those with knowledge. Those who know the most don't always receive the most favor. But outcomes happen as outcomes happen. Now, I don't believe that Solomon is saying that God's not in control of his world. I don't believe that Solomon is suggesting that the Lord doesn't purpose things and ordain things and cause things to happen. But he's saying, look, from a human perspective, the outcome that you would expect doesn't always happen. And, and the biblical narrative is built on stories like this, right? David and Goliath, the people of Israel, they won battles. They walked around Jericho over and over and over again, and the walls just fell down. Why? Because they were the most powerful? No, but because God was with them. So Solomon is basically saying, look, in the world, what you expect to happen doesn't always happen. But, in the world, wisdom is valuable. 
in the world, wisdom is valuable. And this is where he picks up in verse 13. So in verse 13 through 16, he tells us this story. He's like, he says, it was a great story. There was a little city with a few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. So you see what Solomon's saying? Little city, few people, great king. It looks like the king is going to win. But in the city, there was a poor wise man, and by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But, okay, so this story, like this is one of those head scratchers, right? You're like, okay, Solomon. So you're telling me a story about a little city, which is a couple people, and they were about to be destroyed. Big king, big siege works, big army, big power, and they didn't get destroyed because there was a man in the city and he was wise, and he applied wisdom, and he delivered them, but nobody remembered him. I mean, is anybody at this point going, what do we do with this story besides me? Thankfully, Solomon tells us. I say, verse 16, wisdom is better than might. Though the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not Heard. So do you hear that? Solomon says, wisdom is better than strength. Wisdom is better than power. Wisdom is better than athleticism. Wisdom is better than having everything stacked in your favor. Solomon wants us to hear that God's good way as revealed in God's good word for God's redeemed people is of value. He goes on. The wor- verse 17, the words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. So verses, verse 18 becomes the linchpin that makes sense of this passage. What's, this, what's the overarching call from Solomon? God's way is better. Wisdom is better than might. It's better than the shouting of a fool. It's better than weapons of war. Solomon is, is trying to say, believe that God's way is good. Believe that God's way is better. Believe that God's way is fruitful. Believe that God's way is profitable. Believe that God's way bears fruit for you and for the world. Christians, God's people, I call us this morning to join Solomon in believing that wisdom is better. I call us this morning to join Solomon in believing that wisdom is better. So what do we do with that if we believe that wisdom is better? Number one, we recognize where wisdom comes from. 
Wisdom doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from your, within you. It doesn't come from your favorite internet search engine. Wisdom comes from God as he has revealed himself in his word. So number one, we recognize that the source of wisdom is God. Number two, if we believe that God's way is better, then we will seek after wisdom in real situations. If we believe that God's way is better, we will seek after wisdom in real situations. Now you might say, well, that's obvious. I don't think it is. We love to talk about how much we need God. We love to talk about how much we need God's word. We love to talk about how dependent we are on God. But the minute something goes wrong, I'm fixing it because I'm able. Am I the only one? But second, if we believe that wisdom is better, we will seek after wisdom. You can seek wisdom by reading the scripture. You can seek wisdom by praying for God to show you who he is and what he would desire in any situation and in any moment. The scripture actually tells us to pray for it. You can seek after wisdom by talking to other people who are saturated with the scripture. But make sure they're saturated with the scripture and make sure that they're not just giving you their joyful ideas of how to have a happy life. Third, if we believe that God's way is better, we will seek to live our lives in God's ways. We will seek to live our lives in God's ways. So for example, in your marriage, when the rubber meets the road and when things get difficult. Where do we turn? To whom do we turn? Who has the answers? Who has the way of life? The Lord does. We will look to Him and to His Word and to His ways. We'll do that in our workplaces and we'll do that in our families and we'll do that in our schools And we'll do that everywhere we go because we believe that God's way is better. So so we'll know that wisdom comes from God. We will seek after wisdom and we'll seek to align our lives with what God shows us. This passage turns in verse 18. And it turns us to the second point this morning. He says, wisdom is better than than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. And so the hinge here is folly is futile. Folly is fatal. Folly will reap negative consequences in our lives. Folly has negative consequences. That's what Solomon wants us to hear I believe, in the rest of this passage. Because he says, look, dead flies make a perfumer's ointment stink. 
So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. That's chapter 10, verse 2, and that has nothing to do with politics. And if you read it that way, shame on you. What does that mean? In Old Testament vernacular, the right hand was the hand of blessing at God's righteous right hand. So he says, look, a wise man's heart inclines himself to the place of blessing, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. What he's saying is, fools live in such a way that they look foolish. Verse 5, there's an evil that I've seen under the sun, as it were, an error, an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground. What Solomon is saying is, folly can be in places of prominence, and when folly is in places of prominence, all the people suffer. says, look, you can dig a pit and you might fall into it. You might break through the wall and a serpent might bite you. As you work, you might get hurt. But remember that wisdom is valuable and folly has negative consequences. Now Solomon's going to get really close to home here. Look at verse 12. He's going to start talking about the words that you say. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him. The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Do you see what Solomon is saying? Intentionally aligning ourselves with that which is against the Lord will pay negative dividends for us, for those who are around us. He says, those who are filled with folly, it will be evident to everyone. They'll be clearly seen walking up and down the street. Their words will betray that they are crazy people who are against the Lord. Folly, 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 folly. What do we do with folly? Okay, here's what we don't do. Here's what we don't do. I'm so glad I'm a Christian and I'm better than those foolish people who do folly. That's what we don't do. Because that's, that's the turn that people expect us to make in the Scripture. I am prone to folly. You are prone to folly. And Solomon wants us to know that folly has negative consequences all around. So what do we do with folly? What do we do? First, we recognize that God's way 
is better. We recognize that God's way is better. You're like, hey, dude, you just talked about that for like 20 minutes. I know I did. But folly is a great opportunity to remember that God's way is better. See if I can paint a picture for you. You're a man. You're six foot tall. You weigh 180 pounds. Your body fat is 6%. Your blood pressure is perfectly normal. And all things are looking up for you. You actually look pretty great at the swimming pool. You, you, got, you got the little V. You got it all going on, okay? So if I come up to you and I try to tell you a new way to eat, you're probably going to be like, um, man, I think you should listen to me, right? See, when all's going well, we're not prone to hear. But, Man walks into the doctor's office. He's obese. He's got nothing to offer the world. He can barely breathe. He was wheezing just from going up the steps to get to the doctor's office. His blood pressure almost doubled. And he's sitting there in his underwear. And the doctor walks in and says, hey, dude, you're fat. You need a new meal plan. At this point, you're likely to hear, I should listen to what he's saying, right? Right? Because we're exposed for who we are. Folly is an opportunity to be reminded of the goodness of God's wisdom. I'm not saying go seek after folly so that you can be reminded, but in folly, when we're exposed, we're reminded that God's way is good. Second, when we're exposed in our folly, (coughs) we're reminded that we are able to approach God in Christ. When we See our folly, we're reminded that we are able to approach God in Christ. Now Solomon says nothing about Jesus. And at this point, he's not even really dealing with redemption. But from a biblical perspective, when we see our sin, we are called to Jesus. The Bible is not a book of self-help. It's not a book of pick yourself up by your bootstraps and make yourself acceptable to God. It's a book of a God who seeks sinners, redeems sinners, saves sinners, forgives sinners, restores sinners, makes all things new in sinners so that sinners can be the loved, accepted children of God. And this is our hope. When we see our folly, we run to God's grace. And when we see our folly, we cry out for God to change who we are from the inside out. When we see our folly, we cry out for God to change who we are from the inside out. The purpose of Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and chapter 10 was to remind us that God's wisdom is better. That folly is damaging. And to call us to align ourselves with God's good way. So friends, this morning, I plead with you 
don't grow weary of Ecclesiastes. Don't grow weary of God's word in these passages. But run to them. Hear them. Meditate upon them. Think upon them and allow them to drive you to believe that God's wisdom is better. So much so that you'll want God's wisdom. You'll seek God's wisdom. You'll pray for God's wisdom. You'll read the word to know God and to know his ways. This is what I yearn for you and what I yearn for my life. This is what I yearn for our church that we'll be a people who, who simply believe that God's wisdom is better. And so we'll seek after it. Father in heaven, speak to your people this morning, we pray. Overwhelm us with your grace and with your truth and with your mercy and with your strength and with your wisdom and with your word. Lord, I pray this morning that you would meet <coughs> you would meet your people and you would speak to us. <coughs> 